Well, we're in part three on a series entitled Spirit. Everybody say Spirit. Spirit. Somebody asked me earlier, well, what's, what's the Spirit's name? Because God has a name and Jesus has a name. They all have multiple names. Mostly what we find out about the Spirit of God, though, is he has descriptors added to his name, such as Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of Christ. Uh, if you look in Isaiah chapter 11, you'll find about seven attributes of the Spirit there. And uh, the main thing is, it's not by might and it's not by power. It's by God's spirit. The letter kills. The spirit gives life. It was the Holy Spirit who is the wisdom of God, the agent and person of action and power of God that was there at creation and preceded creation. And he is the one who is with us and in us and who will help us. And so we want to continue to dive in. I'm taking my time and I'm not asking your permission on that. I'm taking my time so that we can do something very, in a, in a proper way, uh, to help everybody. Because you have to understand where you may be with God, somebody else may not be there. And it's important that all of us get up to speed, especially in the days we are in, and what the Holy, uh, what the Holy Spirit does, what He wants to do, who He is. And so we're taking our time kind of unfolding this. And so, because the Holy Spirit is so important and so vital in our lives... The enemy of our soul, and we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, the enemy of our soul uh, has a strategy concerning that. And that strategy is pretty much this, is to get people messed up about the Holy Spirit. And if he can get people messed up about the Holy Spirit, then they're either going to be uh, handling the things of the Spirit in the wrong way or avoiding the things of the Spirit altogether. And as we talked about, those are the ditches, but we want to be... We want to be up in the road here. So consequently, the enemy's strategy in getting people off base concerning the Holy Spirit then, some people will end up uninformed or misinformed or see the Holy Spirit misrepresented, um, wrong packaging, so to speak. Consequently, there are some that avoid the Holy Spirit. There, there are whole churches that never even talk or think or read about the Holy Spirit. Um, and then a lot of people see a lot of hype and nonsense and think that the Holy Spirit's weird. And if I let him near me, he'll make me weird. And I know I've told you this two weeks in a row, but I'm going to tell you again, okay? Uh, people that misrepresent the Holy Spirit in that way and they're, they're weird. They were weird before they ever heard about the Holy Spirit, okay? And no matter what they would be involved in, they would probably do that. Unfortunately, you know, that can turn other people off concerning uh, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to hear this statement and look at me for this, please. Any discomfort that you or I may have ever had concerning the Holy Spirit, get this, any discomfort that we've had about the Holy Spirit is not because of Scripture. It's because of people. It's because of people. And some are well-meaning people. They're just misinformed, uninformed, and so forth. And just as God can use people and things, guess what? The enemy can use people and things. And so what we want to do is get into the light of scripture to be able to see what does the Bible say? Not what my tradition says, not what I was taught over here or over there. We need to rightly divide the word of God and get in the light of scripture so that we can see the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit and what he can and wants to do in your life. I said your life and in my life, and in our presence altogether. Can I get an amen out of every, anybody here? Now, I've said this as well. 
If you and I had never been to church, and if you and I had never watched Christian television, warning, warning, um, and if all we had ever done was read the Old Testament and the New Testament, we would have great expectation and we would have eager desire to have the Holy Spirit in our life. We really would. Think about that. If it hadn't been for church and people and TV and things like that, and we'd only seen him through the light of Scripture, we would just have this great expectation. We'd be just so eager to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the word picture, so to speak, for me is we have this gate that the Holy Spirit would come into our life. And that gate is blocked. It's blocked by rocks and weeds and debris that being traditions and teachings and experiences and things, and that is blocking the gate. And so what we want to do is get all of that out of the way. That's what we're doing with this series. We're clearing those things out of the way so that we can, we can get that gate open, all of us, freely to get that gate open so that the Holy Spirit would come into our life. And listen to me, you can trust the Holy Spirit. Amen. You don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You hear me? And so let's go ahead and dive into this a little bit here, uh, more here this morning. Incidentally, today is Pentecost Sunday. And that's kind of an interesting thing. And Pentecost actually just means, and when we hear Pentecost, sometimes people are like, ah. Um, Pentecost just means this, 50. I'll be 53 in a few weeks, so I'm Pentecostal. How many of y'all are Pentecostal? 50 and, okay, okay. But it actually has to do with 50th day. And what it is, it's the 50th day. It was the, it was the feast of Pentecost. It's the 50th day after Passover. And so if you think historically what happened, scripturally what happened is Jesus, uh, everything that happened to do with his death, his crucifixion and all that, that happened over Passover. And then 50 days later, we have the Holy Spirit descending upon some believers in an upper room in Jerusalem. And then the church was birthed. The New Testament church was birthed. And so you have Jesus crucified, buried, rising again on the third day, uh, descending, ascending, rising from the dead. Acts chapter one says that he then spent 40 days. Everybody say 40 days, 40 days on earth post-resurrection. And what was he doing? He was teaching people about the kingdom of God. He was teaching his followers. He's filling in the blanks. He was explaining. Remember when I said this, remember when I did that, he's tying it together because his message was the kingdom of God and teaching them those things. And then he said, uh, before he ascended into heaven, then he said, don't leave here. Don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes. I'm leaving you and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And unless I leave, the Holy Spirit won't come. And it's to your advantage. It's a benefit that I leave and the Holy Spirit comes. And we've talked about that over the last few weeks. So then the Holy Spirit descended into the earth. And it was not just this explosion and then everybody goes goofy. He came in to help us. And, and much of the New Testament helps us to understand what we can expect regarding the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. Y'all with me? Bob your head, do something here this morning. Okay. In John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, Jesus said, And I will pray, I will ask the Father, and he will give you. Now I want you to notice this. So everywhere it says you, 
I, I want you to read out you with me, okay? So I'll read it again. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it see, neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so just by Jesus' introduction of the Holy Spirit, we see something. And that is this, that the main ministry of the Holy Spirit is you. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit is in your daily, personal life. That's the main emphasis of the Holy Spirit. That's the main thing that he wants, that he wants to do. And what is it that he wants to do? Well, notice here that he's the comforter. And the comforter expanded in the Greek, and we see it in the, in the Amplified Bible. It says that he's the comforter. Now, now think about these things and see if you would want him to be these in your life. The comforter, the counselor, the helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. How many of you sounds okay with, that, okay with me? And so his main ministry is to be those things in our life. And so obviously, again... And Jesus points it out. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit is about you. It's about being a comforter, being a helper, being a strengthener in your life. We also, a part of his ministry is to enhance what we're doing when we come together. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a few ways that he enhances our efforts, that he creates atmospheres, that he touches us, he breathes upon us, he reveals things to us when we all come together. And we want to make sure that we understand scripturally, biblically, the right way to handle things when we come together concerning the Holy Spirit too. And that will be very liberating for all of us. But he makes the difference. And in our life, and that's what I want to continue to look at this morning, in our life, everybody say, in my life. In my life, he wants to be comforter. He wants to be counselor. Get this. He wants to be strengthener. And maybe you could use him as a strengthener. And maybe we're just too weak to lift your hand for that. Okay, now, yeah, I fooled you. Um, Strengthener. Think about this. The Father and the Son are seated in thrones in heaven, observing and directing. It's the Holy Spirit that's in the earth. So what do we do with the scripture, like Philippians 4.13 that says... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Think about it. How does Christ strengthen us? By his Holy Spirit. When he says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You said that, but now you're in heaven. How does he do that? How does he never leave us? How does he never forsake us? Just like he said, if I leave you, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He will be another comforter. He will be just like I am and he will do in my absence what I would do for you if I were there present with you. This also fortifies our thinking why we don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Because he's just like Jesus. What if Jesus went with you all day? Jesus, what should I do? He would guide you. He would help you. He would strengthen you. He would counsel you. He would warn you. He would, do, he would uphold you. He would do all of those things. And the Holy Spirit now is able to do that for all of us. And that's why I'm fighting hard. I'm fighting hard to get some preconceived things out of the way so that you can see just how wonderful the Holy Spirit is for your life. I don't know. Listen to me. I don't know what I would do day by day. I don't know what I would do if all the times that he helps me and guides me. And some of the time I'm not even conscious of. And then I realize, wow. And he warns you. 
If I didn't have my prayer language, we'll talk more about that over the next few weeks as well. I mean, there's so many ways that he helps us and strengthens us and teaches us. You know, and especially being a pastor, it is an amazing ride. Honestly, it is. And you do not want to be a pastor. Unless you know that God has called you, I promise you. Billy Graham says, some are sent and a whole bunch just went. Okay? So you don't, well, that looks like a cool thing. I'll think you do not want to do this. I'm no disgrace. But you know what? I've, I've learned, and the longer I go in this, the more I learn that it's just like, Holy Spirit, I, help me, direct me, forming this message. And how thoughts come and how things come together. And suddenly I see something, and it, it is wonderful. It is wonderful. It's scary, too. Scary, too. But then he'll help us to do this. Anyway, let me, let me keep going here. But he does these things. God does these things by the Holy Spirit with us and in us. Four things that he brings, and we'll continue to unfold this. He brings power. Aren't you glad? Amen. He brings love. How many of you know that your love only lasts a little while? Our human love just runs out. Mine's running out right now with you guys. Okay. How many of you know there's some people, they're just hard to love. Or you can only love them in short bits. <laughs> but you know what? You have people in your life and, and we're number one call. We're called to walk in love. How are we going to do that? The Holy Spirit. He does what? He pours the love of God into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I can love people. I can love the unlovely. I can love people who don't even like us. Like you. You can love them. You can love them. Because of God's love in you. So he gives us power. He gives us love. He develops fruit in our life. We'll be talking about that this morning some. And he gives gifts. He gives gifts. You have knacks, tendencies, abilities. God gave you those things. He's given you things for life. He's given you things for service. He's given you things for ministry. He gives you things for the moment with gifts. And, and we'll talk about that as we go along as well. Now. I'm going to keep coming back to this. There are four things beside that. Those are what he brings, but here's what he does. First of all, he wants every person to be spirit born. You must be, you must be born again. And that is to be born of the spirit. Then Paul said that he commanded that we're to be filled with the spirit. Think about it this way. Just reword it a little bit. I want to have a life that the spirit has filled. That helps me. I want to have a life that the spirit has filled. And then thirdly, the children of God are led by the spirit of God. We're to be, and this is crucial, crucial right here. That's where a lot of people mess up because you can be spirit born and spirit filled and led by other stuff and make a big mess in the name of Jesus. Spirit led and then spirit. Anybody? Spirit formed. Paul said, I labor until Christ be formed in you. And so it's this whole process of what he's doing. We'll, we'll re, be referring to some of this here this morning. Now, the work of the Spirit is both internal and external. It's internal and external. And we need both. Come on, y'all with me? It's Memorial Day weekend. Pentecost Sunday. 
perk up. Okay. The work of the Spirit is internal and it's external. And we want both. And we need both. But I submit to you this morning that the inward internal work of the Spirit is the greater work. That's the primary work. Because just for example, just being led. If you're not led by the Spirit, you're going to be led by something. We're led by people. We're led by pressure. You don't believe me? How many of you have ever bought something before because of pressure? Okay, I'm going to ask it again. You had half hour to think about it. How many of you have bought something before because of pressure? Because somebody else had one or the salesperson or, or whatever. And inside you're like, oh, I don't know. And, and then you go ahead and do it. And then what? The next morning you have buyer's what? Remorse. Because you weren't led by the Spirit. You were led by other things. Some people are led by opportunity. And you know what? You cannot be led by opportunity. Well, this happened. It's like, you know, I, seven cars passed me today with Alabama license tags. I'm supposed to move to Alabama. And I didn't make that one up. I actually... So we'll be led by opportunity. Don't do that. Or we're led by offense. Led to, well, upset me. I feel led to go do this then. And you're going to end up in the, in the wrong place at the wrong time. We've got to be led by the Spirit and led by His peace. And how does He do that? He does that from the inside. He does that from the inside. The work that He does, the primary, the greater work, is on the inside of us. That's where the deepening relationship with God happens. It happens on the inside. That's where these things are formed. Virtue, character, strength, power, fruit, integrity, kindness, endurance, grace, wisdom, joy. All of those things come from where? They come from the inside. He puts a deposit on the inside. The Holy Spirit, the Ancient of Days, who has access to everything, puts that on the inside of you. That comes from the inside. Are you with me? Now, we also want and need, and it is the primary greater work, the internal work, because we are in a battle. We are in an ongoing battle. And that battle is between flesh and spirit. Flesh and spirit. And some of you might say, well, I'm, I'm not having that battle because I'm very holy. You are, you are deceived. I had some other words in mind. But yeah. even the apostle Paul, he said, I'm fighting this thing tooth and nail. I'm fighting this thing day and night, 24-7. I'm fighting this thing. There is a war that is raging between my flesh and spirit. And your flesh, by your flesh, I'm not talking about your actual skin and bones here, your body. Your body's neutral, okay? And it, whoever you uh, submit to, whoever you obey, that's your master, okay? And so it's not this flesh. It's your lower nature. It's your sinful nature. It's your old nature. And you'll say, well, I got born again. I know you did, but that's still in you, in your flesh. Until we're out of this thing, until we're, we're gone to glory, we're going to have to fight this every day of our lives. I said we're going to have to fight this every day of our lives. And when we lose the fight, when we lose the fight to the flesh, you've done it, I've done it. We lose the fight to the flesh, we feel defeated. We feel discouraged. 
We feel depressed. We feel guilty. We feel weak. We don't feel creative. And because we've tried and tried and tried before, and now we've, our flesh won again, we start becoming cynical of our own efforts. I've recommitted my life before. I told the Lord I wouldn't do this anymore before. And we become cynical of our own efforts. And then we end up weak in faith. We have no living testimony. We live fearful because flesh won again. And I want to give you the good news because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of the coming of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome the flesh. And if we'll walk in the spirit, if we'll walk in the spirit, we don't have to obey the flesh. Actually, scripture even tells us you are under no obligation to do what the flesh wants. But the flesh gets really loud. If you don't give me that, I'll make us sick. I'll give us a headache. Have at it, flesh bag. And just push through. But we never resist it. So many people just don't resist. Well, I felt it. I think I heard a voice. And the more you give into it, the stronger it gets. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. And basically, basically it's an issue of appetites. What your flesh has an appetite for and what the spirit has an appetite. And when I say spirit, I'm, I believe from study, it's the combo of your human spirit and the Holy Spirit in you. And there's this battle between my flesh, what it wants, its appetites, and the appetites of the, of the spirit. And those appetites are opposite. It's like a pig and a sheep. It's just completely opposite. You remember Noah? He, he made a boat. That one? I always have to talk that one out because I've preached whole sermons before where Moses built a boat, okay? (laughs) Moses was in a little basket boat when he was little, but after that he didn't need a boat. Water just split. He just, that, okay? So I got that one. But Noah, Noah, he built a boat. God told him to do it because it's going to rain. He goes, what's rain? Because they'd never had rain before. And... He said, build that and tell everybody what's going on. And they just thought he was nuts. And only eight people got into the ark with him. And most of them were family. And I don't think it was because they all believed him. I think it's because he threatened them. (laughs) You want your allowance, you get your tail on the boat. Okay? So it kind of went that way. But they're on the boat, rains 40 days and 40 nights. The rain stops. And so Noah goes to the window and he takes a raven. It's the largest member of the crow family. It's a scavenger. And he lets it go and it never comes back. Let me just insert something here. It's a scavenger. And it went out to feed. It feeds on carrion, which is decaying flesh. And when you flooded the earth and only eight people and a limited number of animals get on, and I'm not trying to be gross, especially so close to lunch. But I'll go ahead and be gross. Um, There's floating carcasses. And so the raven went and found what its appetite was. The raven is a picture of your flesh. Listen to me. Listen to me because I think this is a holy warning for some of you. If you let your flesh go, you're going to have a hard time getting it to come back. But then he went to the window and he let a dove go. And the dove came back. And he let the dove go again. And the dove came back with a piece of an olive branch. 
which indicated the waters were subsiding. He waited a while longer and he let the dove go and the dove did not come back this time because it found a clean, dry place to rest. And that's like the spirit. That's one of the symbols of the spirit, a dove. And so it has to do with appetites. And again, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. In Galatians chapter five, you still there? Galatians five, I'm gonna read you nine verses. I'm a speed read, okay? So go, go with me here. Uh, there, that was good. <laughs> Paul is saying under the inspiration of the spirit, watch this, watch for f- spirit and flesh, watch this. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do what you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things, you make that a part of your life. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, everybody say but. But the fruit of the Spirit. We have the works of the flesh. Now here's the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Back to verse 16 again. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The way to win this battle is to walk in the Spirit. And we want to find out more and more what, what that means for us. It's cooperating with the Spirit. It's yielding ourselves to the Spirit. Because you're going to have temptation all the time. Do you know what a large part of what temptation is? Something makes something distract, uh, destructive look attractive. Because usually what we're tempted to do is not good for us. The whole list of the works of the flesh. I mean, I didn't want to go there. I didn't really want that to happen. And what happens when you let the flesh win? When you let the flesh win, it's going to try to take you further and further and further. How am I going to win? How are you going to win this? It's when we yield to. It's when we submit ourselves to. It's when we cooperate. It's when we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to help us. Realizing he's in me and he's with me. That's when you're going to be able to overcome the flesh. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, though, if we follow after the Spirit, the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us, and I want you to think about this for a moment, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, long-suffering, all those things. Do you know what that actually is? Listen to me, look at me. It's the personality of God. How many of you have ever, especially in your teenage years or whatever, said you're acting just like those you're hanging out with? Yes. Well, the more you hang out with the Holy Spirit, you're going to take on his personality. Amen. I'm thinking right now, uh, one of my professors I had last year in my master's program, and I had him for, for Pentecostal theology. And when he walked in, I'd never met him before. When he walked in, he wasn't floating. He wasn't glowing. His voice didn't tremble. You know, nothing weird. $10 to missions. Um, But I'm going to tell you something. From the moment he opened his mouth 
And part of the work of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus from the moment he opened his mouth. Plus, he was kind, he was gentle, there was peace, there was joy. If he never mentioned one word about Pentecostal theology, if he'd never said any of those things, it's Dr. Dempster, then I, I would have known he's full of the Holy Spirit of God. Look at me. I want us to be those kind of people. That you don't have to go into the lunchroom at work and go, Yay, says the Lord. <laughs> Matter of fact, my wife gave me something. I retweeted it this week. If you want to make sure you get off a of jury duty, answer every question they ask you with, Well, according to prophecy... Listen, we don't have to be strange in this way. Take on the personality of the Spirit of God. And what, what is that? That's us being formed. Now, real quick on this. This is what the devil is afraid of. This is what the enemy is afraid of. First of all, that you would even hear about the Spirit. And then he will do everything he can to keep you from being born of the Spirit. Because then you're alive in God. The veil is taken away. And you're going to heaven. But if he can't stop you there and you get to there, he's by all means going to do a whole dog and pony show right here. To keep you from having a life that's filled with the Spirit. And led by the Spirit. And the very life and character and nature and personality of God being formed in you. He'll do everything he can to stop all of that. And let me say something to you real quick. We'll expand on this next week. Being spirit-filled and spirit-led has nothing to do with going to heaven. Spirit-born, that's, that's about heaven. But why would you want to go to heaven and then just have hell on earth? When the Holy Spirit, who's just like Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of him. You can trust him. He's a helper. He's a comforter. He's just like Jesus. I want him in my life and I want to be filled because more is better. Amen. More is better. And I want to be led because he's the ancient of days. He's the only wise God. His vantage point is way better than mine. And I want him to lead me and say, hold up, Gilligan. I want him to stop me. I want him to nudge me. I want him to lead me with his peace. I want him to warn me. I'm going to tell you, you want your life to be full. Of the Spirit. We're going to talk more about that next week so that you can be led even better. You can be led just born of the Spirit. Children of God are led by the Spirit. But there's a whole other level that I believe is there. But don't let anybody tell you, unless you're born of the Spirit and Spirit filled, you're not going to heaven. That is not true. And that comes from an elitist, uninformed kind of background. You're going to heaven. And when you're born again, the Spirit comes and resides within you. But more is better. I said, more is better. Now, let me just kind of wrap this up here this morning. In the Sahara Desert in North Africa is a city called Cairo. And it's kind of shaped like that. How many of you knew right away if I didn't even say Cairo, you'd go, that's, that's Cairo right there. It's the largest city in Africa. It's the 16th largest city in the world. Sahara Desert, yet predominant part of it, all to the east of it, is a commerce center. It's a population center. It's lush. There's vegetation. There's agriculture. There's research that goes on. 
technology, all kinds of things being developed here. It's an incredibly modern, fruitful, flourishing city. And the west end of it and on out is barren nothingness. It's scorching heat and sand. And the difference is a river. The Nile River, 4,100 miles long, flowing north. The Nile River creates all that life, brings all that life. Now think about this just for a moment. We live in a dry and barren land. In John chapter 4, Jesus spoke and he said, the everlasting life is like a well, it's like a fountain. And that's everlasting life, that's salvation. In John chapter 7, he said, but the Holy Spirit is like a river. And I'm thankful for the well. Oh, come on, I'm thankful for the fountain. I have, you have, if you're a believer, you have everlasting life springing up in you. Thank God for that. But while we live in this barren, dry, scorching land, I want to recommend to you, you get a river in your life. And that river is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it, that's the difference. That's the difference there. That's the difference in your life and my life as we allow that river. And I'll tell you what, there have been times I've dammed up the river. How about you? There are times I've gotten a little too far away from the river. And I'll tell you what, we need to just come back to the river, not be afraid of the river. Not be afraid of the river. There's a time where Isaiah prophesied, go in and just put your toes in. And then go on into your ankles. And then go on up to your knees. And then go on up into your waist. And then go on in where you can't help but just swim. And that doesn't make you all weird. And you're going around work. What's with you? Meadowbrook, don't you even dare. All right. And even further, let me word, don't say it's the Holy Spirit. No, don't you even dare. Do not misrepresent the Holy Spirit of God, who's just like Jesus, who came to help us and fill us and lead us and not only put life in us, but make us actually something where people look at your life and go, I don't, I don't even know what it is fully, but I, I want what you have in your life. Whether or not you or I ever spoke a word. Amen. Now, let me just close with this. May the, this is 2 Corinthians 13, 14 in the Message Bible. May the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, may the extravagant love of God, and may the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? Please don't move it around. Just, just stay with me just these last few months. I want to do two things real quick. And they're not going to take long, but I feel they're important. My little grandson was over uh, yesterday afternoon. I had a G.I. Joe shirt on. I mean, even know that's cool. I had a G.I. Joe shirt on that had a bunch of G.I. Joe guys. 
And, you know, he's looking at my shirt. He thought my shirt was cool. And he loves cars. I told you about that. And we were out by the pool at that point. Later on, we were in the house. And I had a car and he wanted that car. And he had this little hand, this little soft hand. And he held out his hand. Car. And I took the car that I had and I put it in his hand. It was just that childlike little whatever I gave to him. This is a sign you don't even have to be taught. Would you give that to me? And I want us this morning, I want every one of us, I want you just right in front of you. Would you just hold out your hands to the Lord this morning? I want to lead you in a prayer. And what I'm going to do, I, I want to say a line of the prayer and then I want you to just repeat this to the Lord this morning. And I want you to just ask. So pray with me. My Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You gave me a promise of your Holy Spirit. Help me to trust you and the Holy Spirit. Help me to clear my mind, to adjust my thinking. And just to accept you, Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, fill my life, lead me, be in everything I'm in, help me, and help me to trust you. Thank you for eternal life, but thank you for help right now, Holy Spirit be a river in my life let me know let me feel let me sense that you're in my life and that you're with me filling me leading me and forming me and I thank you now in Jesus name amen and amen we're going to talk more about that next week go to a little further level with that but I'm just trusting that we're getting the gate open and open and open. And you know what? As you hear the gate opening, we're not afraid. We're encouraged. We're excited to have the Holy Spirit of God in our life. Amen.